Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady and your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The Book of Ephesians 4.22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. To fulfill this decree and commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, as we know, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice and these are put off, be renewed, and put on. And fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seat. So we can then obtain it as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. <clears throat> this is the decree, the requirement <clears throat> to put off, be renewed, and put on. And this command is presented by the apostles. Apostles are people who are the silver trumpet. Those who know the sound of the trumpet, blessed are the people. <clears throat> In Israel, there were two silver trumpets, and they were hammered. And so when the trumpet would sound once, the people would gather for a feast. Two, two sounds of the trumpet, the leaders would gather together. They knew the sound of the trumpet when it was celebration. They, need, they knew the sound of the trumpet when it came time for war. And these were two silver trumpets. And when these silver trumpets sounded, Israel knew how to behave. And the scriptures tell us, blessed is the nation who knows the sound <coughs> of the trumpet. 
for the call of the trumpet. It's necessary to have these two silver trumpets, and these are the voice of the person who has the delegation of a father of God. He is the one who has this delegation, has the right to sound these two trumpets. This is the great Holy Spirit and the Word of God, which the Lord places in the mouth of His person and is necessary to hear this sound, listen to this sound that will call us to something, the trumpet call. We can look to the sides and and find maybe a, um, a, a very good orator somewhere else who speaks well and might be maybe very attractive or enticing, but he is not the silver trumpet. You just need to ask the question, can you see the hammered work on him? What does that mean? That means when they took a sheet of metal and began to beat it with a hammer, beaten and beat it into the proper form so that there would be a legitimate sound that they would understand and so then they would use that trumpet can you see this gentleman that has education in theology can you see this work of the hammer on him he may have a great way of speaking the two silver trumpets are hammered trumpets they never are present in a tolerant atmosphere. They speak the word of God and these words to put off, be renewed and put on is what these two silver trumpets can offer or the person who represents a father of God for us here on earth. And of course the Lord wanted that in every church there would be such an apostle, would be such an apostle in every nation that would be this silver trumpet that's hammered of hammered work relevant to this we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th psalm of david where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of david consisting of the eight names of god allowed david to love and call upon the lord who is worthy to be praised and gave god the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of these names to battle against the enemies of david Psalm 18, 1 through 3. It is written, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. And so let us together now proclaim the names of God. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear these words, and may he imprint them upon our heart and make us worthy of his names. And so we have studied the name of God, strength and rock, and are studying the third name, Lord, you are my fortress. And so magnifying the word of God within our heart, 
we clothe ourselves into the power of the name of God's strength. This is when we collaborate with the name of God's strength. We magnify the word of God within our heart. And after this, we weigh ourselves upon the scale plates of righteousness and cleanse ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit with the abilities contained in the second name of God, Rock, we then receive the right in Jesus Christ to access the lot contained in God's name fortress so that we can approach God. And so we magnify the word of God so that we can weigh ourselves upon these scales according to this word so we can then approach him according to his word. <clears throat> the name of God fortress used in the given prayer psalm is a component of the inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and by whom a person can approach God so that he can know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven containing the oath promises of God. In Hebrew, the name of God fortress is identified in scripture as God's habitation, God's house, God's sanctuary, unapproachable light in which God dwells, the place where man gets to know God, the opportunity to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, the atmosphere of the success of God and joy of God, the hope of God and the trust of God. This is a very rich list of definitions of his name, God's name, Fortress. Practically, the Fortress of God is a specific place, a place where God abides, within the boundaries of which we can know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. We will not ever be able to know God if upon this place God isn't present. This place is specific and it is situated in three unique realms and these are first the heights of the heavens. No one questions that. It is second in the sanctuary identifying the body of Christ the chosen by God remnant. And to find such a virtuous wife with such a great status is hard to find. And so it's very rare and people often are unsuccessful. And third, the heart of a man, the other unique realm, is the heart of man who has a humble and contrite spirit and who trembles before the preached word of God spoken by a person who is clothed into authority of a father and also spoken by the helpers of this person. <clears throat> and we, to, of course, ha have a godly peace with such a person so that God can be our fortress. And all of us are obligated to have pe peaceful relations with heaven in our heart have this peace to consider the word that that we hear uh, and sometimes you will hear the question maybe people in other countries ask the question why don't I have a church nearby that is similar to this one find a mature church a good church where they do take part in communion they eat the bread drink the blood they pray and they sing psalms and also listen to these sermons. 
And so a person cannot partake in communion by himself or alone. He has to be a part of a body. Communion is for the unification of people, for the uh, for the body itself, not just for the individual person. And so there are calls. Sometimes you can uh, <coughs> pastor can receive and and the uh, an individual call say, well, we have four families and we all listen. And so a pastor could go there can see whether it's possible to make of them a, a, a group and place a leader that would be in charge of this group of people. That way they can then partake also in the communion because they need to be within the order with that is within the body. And we need to understand that and respect that and honor the body for which Jesus Christ died. In Hebrew, the phrase to run to or to approach God means or the verb to run to or approach God as your fortress consists of the opportunities giving man the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of promise belonging to the door of our hope in the fruit of which God receives the legitimate ability to join the battle for our body so that he can destroy the stronghold of death within our body and forever thrust the old man from out of our body into hell with noise since the armor, trust, and foundation of our old man is the stronghold of death. We need to grow this fruit, and to grow this fruit, we need to first receive the seed in the format of the preached word. Someone needs to say these words, that there's such a seed, Methuselah, who drives away death, and that we can overcome the accuser, and the scriptures say they overcame. And this happens when we're born again. The Lord uh, promotes this victory, and it happens in our spirit first, because our spirit is in God's likeness. It is inherent to God. And now the spirit needs to grow. And how do we determine the spirit is growing? We need to begin to save the next part of us. That's our soul, our mortal soul. And then our salvation expands to our body. That needs to be adopted. This is what they, what you can consider an absolute or, or full salvation. Today we overcome the accuser who accuses our brothers and not out of these out of these uh, four walls but in our mind the the devil the deceiver he accuses our brothers in our own mind and we overcome him they overcame him by the word of testimony. We receive the renewal of our soul here and it goes through the process of death and renews and this is our mind being renewed and the accuser uh, is then overcome because of this. The scriptures say, woe to those who live on earth because the great dragon, the devil, he had come in great anger. You have to understand how much the devil is angered by the saints today when they're renewing their mind, when they're thrusting his throne down, they cast it down in their mind where he has no more control. And so a renewed mind is when we don't accuse our brethren, when you no longer love your soul and the accuser that accused my brothers and sisters no longer accuses them in our mind. That means we overcame in our soul. And uh, the renewing of our mind is happening or has happened. 
I examine understanding the sermons of pastor as much as I put to death all this the accuser he is one of the greatest of uh, names of the devil the, the, the ones that apply to him and so when he was cast down to the earth he began to fight the, the woman and she went into the wilderness and he can't do anything and why can't he do anything because she's in the wilderness the accuser is not successful and the body is what remains <clears throat> and he can't do anything without control we need this victory to happen and so we need that in our essence we have this war and Michael and the angels will fight against the dragon dragon and his angels and the scriptures say he did not overcome why because there was not found <clears throat> Uh, any uh, accusation or anything anywhere he could accuse and so he overcame we overcame because he did not find his place he did not find a place where he could do this while we give him his place uh, he continues to overcome and we don't when we don't give him place when we renew our mind with the spirit of our mind he will be thrusted out from our life, our personal life. He'll fight for the body, but of course nothing will work because even right now we proclaim the resurrection of Christ every service. We don't just demonstrate the de desire of our heart. We, This is a war that's taking place. We protect our heart, the devil, with great anger. And so when we say, may the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within our body, and we thank God for this resurrection, we, we protect our body from his great wrath. In Hebrew, the phrase, as we heard, the phrase to run to in Hebrew or to approach God means to approach the altar, commence to know God, enter the sanctuary of God, get closer to God, resort to God's help, find yourself in the fortress of God, be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven and grow fruit for God. This is how a person can approach God, his fortress, not just approaching the altar. He comes to become an altar uh, or to become an offering on this altar <clears throat> to produce fruit to God. Therefore, every time God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows man to run to or to approach him, then the result of such contact <clears throat> always the result of such contact yields a corresponding fruit within the area in which we approached him. Considering this, as with the previous names of God, we need to note that the presence of the fortress of God in one area of our life does not in any way mean that it is guaranteed to be present in another area in the given name. <clears throat> the word automatically uh, does not exist in heaven. The, and you say the word automatic, the angels look and don't know what that means. Automatic salvation, how is that? If we know people that say that they're automatically saved, the heavens don't understand that word. When you say automatic, when you're automatically given something or something happens, this does not exist. 
every area of our essence, we need to approach God in every area of our life, in every area of ourselves. <clears throat> and we need to take this understanding that I am, I automatically get something is, is something we need to remove from our mind because that's, it doesn't automatically happen and you need to put forth the effort, the work. Because if you believe in the very understanding, if you have this understanding of automatic that you receive things from God automatically, then uh, even the Muslim women will probably run way ahead of some of the Christian sisters with their behavior and with the way that they uh, lead their lives. If that was the case, if it was an automatic thing. Therefore, every time God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows man to run to her to approach him, then the result of such contact, as we said, always yields a corresponding fruit. Considering this, as with the previous names of God, we need to note that the presence of the fortress of God in one area of our life does not automatically guarantee it in another, since according to the statements of Scripture, for the presence of the fortress of God, every individual area of our life needs to be brought to proper condition where the power of God would be able to re reproduce the fruit of the fortress in this area in the form of our salvation. Therefore, it is specifically us in every individual area of our essence who are responsible for creating such an atmosphere which would be able to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress. And such an atmosphere called to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress is the good soil of our heart, able to receive the seed of the word of God and grow fruit corresponding to the nature of the seed we have received. And for this purpose, just as we studied the previous names of God called to be individual lots of our salvation, we need to study the following series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God Fortress? What purpose is our inherited lot contained in the name of God Fortress called to fulfill in realizing our salvation? What price is required to be paid so that we can give God the ability to be our fortress? And by what results can we determine that God truly is our fortress in the realization of our calling? Today, we will be studying question four. By what results can we determine that God is truly our fortress in the realization of our calling, consisting of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ to make us carriers of the heavenly body? And so let's talk about the results. And today, we will study the seventh The seventh result, that our heart is a fortress for God and that we are within the fortress of God, is our ability to receive Christ into our heart and our ability to place ourselves into Christ. To receive Christ into our heart, Christ in us, and our ability to place ourselves into Christ. And so, in every aspect is Christ in us, because we are a fortress for God. And then we will study us in Christ. Now, Christ is our fortress. We in Him, we approach Him. And so, this will uh, require about four services, because we will study only a part of that today. How? our heart becomes a fortress for God. We become a fortress for God. 
12 results, and today we'll look at six of them. It's surprising. I thought that Pastor would present 12 components of the Lord being our fortress, but he actually talks about us being the Lord's fortress. And so you would think that, Lord, I want to come to you, but the Lord says, I want to come to you. And so when he knocks uh, using his word and you invite him in to dine with him and then he says the one who overcomes I will allow him to sit with me on my throne as I sit with my uh, with my father on his throne. <clears throat> and so you invite him in not as a guest you invite him in as your Lord, as your master. And so these 12 components we will study six of them today. We will see how we can invite the Lord so that he can find our heart to be his fortress. It turns out that our heart is a fortress for him. And so the, you may say, Lord, you are my fortress. And the Lord says, Amen. But upon the condition that your heart is my fortress, And so that he can live then and come and be not as a guest, but come and be as a Lord of ours and Master. And so we'll study six today. In the next service, we'll study six more of how our heart is his fortress. And then the, uh, the preceding two services after that will be Christ being our fortress. First, in result of Christ living in us, we're studying Christ living in us. In result of Christ living in us, our body becomes a temple of God where the Holy Spirit lives. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And so we studied to approach God is to come into his temple, come into his sanctuary, and so it turns out our heart is a temple of God upon the condition if the Holy Spirit lives there. The body in which the Holy Spirit does not live as the Lord and Master of our life cannot be called or to be a temple of God. To be a temple of God means to be led by the Holy Spirit. We will also remember that the baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues by itself does not give us the right to be led by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so, baptism in speaking in tongues Baptism of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> does not give us the right to be led by the Holy Spirit. So how are we then led by the Holy Spirit? Let's look at three uh, steps that will help us determine three things that would tell us if we are led by the Holy Spirit, that He is not our guest, but He is our Lord and Master. And so this is a very important word to be led by the Holy Spirit because we are the temple of God and so three things that will allow us to determine 
First, to be led by the Holy Spirit, it is necessary to honor and acknowledge the status of the body of Christ over yourself in the form of a specific church of saints and demonstrate the fruit of humbleness in this church by obeying the word of God spoken by an apostle whom God has placed. This is where the leadership of the Holy Spirit begins. If you look at some services, specifically some Pentecostal services, this specific requirement, this, these conditions will be alien to them. They will not uh, acknowledge these things. Because you need to be obedient to the words of God by listening to <clears throat> an apostle whom God has placed. Acknowledge the status of the body of Christ. This is where the leadership of the Holy Spirit begins. And so if someone asks you, how can I be led by the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> this is acknowledging the body of Christ over yourself. And so when you would tell somebody this, these things, that to be led by the Holy Spirit, you need to acknowledge the status of the body of Christ. This will be unusual uh, as people typically will not hear this. But this is not enough. Second, to be led by the Holy Spirit, it is necessary to possess the ability to no longer be a child, stumbling and attracted by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of man, by cunning craftiness of deception. It's necessary to leave spiritual infancy, because infancy, when it's not left, it overgrows into uh, a carnal state, and this is death. A carnal person stumbles on everything. Why were you, Why did you do this? Why did you drive this car? Why, and always asking why. This speaks of the fact that a person has not lost their soul. He did not leave spiritual infancy. He became a carnal person who stumbles on everything. And people... And when people rejoice for you, this person becomes... He's different. He'll, he will be unhappy in your successes or in other things. And so a carnal state is spiritual death. <clears throat> and third, to be led by the Holy Spirit, it is necessary by the means of the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the, to the effect of working by which every part does its share cause growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That means to act. And let's now look at all of these three in one place of Scripture. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some, some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the, of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we would no longer be children tossed to and from carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so this place of scripture contains all the three that we just listed. 
you need to acknowledge the status of the church by demonstrating fruits of humility. You need to no longer be children tossed into, tossed to and from by, by every wind of doctrine. And you need to grow up in all things who is the head from whom the whole body joined in it together by whatever joint supplies according to the effect of working we would be growing causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love <clears throat> and so this is talking about growth and maturity when a person is grown into full measure of growth in Christ <clears throat> and so these aspects show us how we can be led by the Holy Spirit so that the three above mentioned components to receive their relevancy and legitimacy it is necessary to fulfill three more conditions and these are first cast off the old man with his deeds by putting away all evil and craftiness and hypocrisy and jealousy and all evil speaking second after we cast off the old man, it is necessary as newborn babies to love the pure milk of the word so that we can grow by it into salvation. And third, knowing God by loving the pure milk of the word will make us able to build ourselves into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, so that we can offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and all these three conditions are written in 1 Peter 2, 1 through 5. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tested that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and here, Pastor concludes that if the above-mentioned conditions will not be fulfilled, Christ will not be able to live within our heart, which is filled with all kinds of hate and trickery, hypocrisy, jealousy, and evil speaking. And consequently, our heart in such a state or such condition would not be able to become a fortress of God. Due to this, our body will not be able to become a temple of God in which the Holy Spirit lives. <clears throat> a very interesting component. We see that for us to be a temple of God, because the Holy Spirit will not be able to live in a body that is not a temple of God. And for our body to be a temple of God, we saw three components. The first that means that we need to correctly treat the body of Christ, our relationship to the body of Christ. <clears throat> we acknowledge the status of the temple of God, then the Lord will acknowledge then us, and us as a temple of His own. The first three aspects is how to treat the body of Christ, the Church of Christ, and this will yield God uh, having a good relationship with us. This was the first res uh, first result. I shall remind us that we're talking about the results by which we determine that God is our fortress, but we are first looking at whether we are His fortress. 
we are determining whether Christ lives within us and we are his fortress. Second, as a result of Christ living in us, our character as well as our body will be transformed into the essence of Christ. Not just our body and not just our character, but both our character and our body. Our character, our soul, will be transformed into the essence of Christ so we can be a fortress for God. For Christ, it is important what kind of character we have. Because if he can't change our character, he can't transform then our body either. Galatians 4.19 My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. <clears throat> and so, until Christ is formed in you, when we have the character of Christ, this will allow the, then Christ to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in us and transform our body. And there are people in the Church, church of God who, who say that there is no old man. What old man are you speaking of? And so this person is filled with venom and they affect the people around them in a very negative way. And, and of course, such people are no longer in the church today. And there are also others who say it's not possible to change your character. It's not possible to, if you're born with something, that's what you have and you can't ever fix or, or get rid of whatever that is that you have. And that's the, this, this further from, can't be further from the truth. And so we look from the angle that the Apostle <clears throat> shows and gives. God wants to change our character so that He can then transform our body also. The heavenly body that we are waiting for. And so when He writes, My little children for whom I labor in birth, in birth again until Christ is formed in you. The phrase, until Christ is formed in you, means, as it's stated, Christ is formed inside of you, or until you are transformed and formed into Christ. To become as Christ, to grow into full measure of growth in Christ, into a perfect man. The reason why Apostle Paul experienced birth pains in his spirit was because those whom he bore with the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven to the liberty of Christ. And so these are people, these are leaders of the church that experience birth pains in the spirit because of those whom they bear in the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven to the liberty of Christ. So he experienced these birth pains because of their unclean zeal for God. Because of it, they were enticed out of the liberty of Christ and into the bonds of slavery of the law of Moses. And so that, and so people began to in, draw people back into the law, is what, what was happening. <clears throat> Galatians 4.21-31 through Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. 
which things are symbolic, for those are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, for the Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. And so this is one of the reasons that Jews hated Apostle Paul, uh, because they claimed that they were the children from Sarah, and he was saying that they were still. But he was telling them that you are in bondage, you are from Hagar, the Gentiles who received Christ by faith, these are sons of Sarah. And they wanted to stone him for these words. How is it he would say to the Jews that they were born from Hagar? And he says that Hagar in Arabia is Mount Sinai. <clears throat> For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the, Jeru the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. <clears throat> now we brethren, as Isaac was as Isaac was our children of promise, but as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. <clears throat> if we do not have if we don't have a type of relationship to the person that is clothed or a relationship as a son to a person who is clothed into the delegation of a father who is due to his love for us would be able to be uh, in these birth pains for us until we will be transformed into Christ, this means that our heart or Christ does not live in our heart and we are not then the children of promise in Isaac or we will not be these children of promise in Isaac. <clears throat> and so you ask the question as, as Apostle Paul was writing that uh, you're free but a slave in their understanding and so they both live within a person and Apostle Paul was in birth pains so that in the church Jesus could show himself would be able to be transform, transform the people would be able to uh, transform them into his image into Christ third in result of Christ living in us we are seeking again we're searching for Christ in us in result of Christ living in us, we will develop the ability and need to seek God in our inner part. <clears throat> Isaiah 26, 9, With my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And so night, night is a, not a span of time, but an atmosphere and place of getting to know God and his revelations. When God opens up his truth, which he places and keeps in the heart of man. And so night, 
again, it's not a certain amount of time, a, a span of time, but the atmosphere in our heart where we can know God and his revelations. First, <clears throat> night is the place and atmosphere of the unapproachable light and the entrails of our sacred person who has been grown into full measure of growth in Christ, who is a fortress of God and peace where the Lord finds his rest. And so just as the Lord found his rest in the Holy of Holies, when the priest would come in uh, into the Holy of Holies, the only light in that room was from this uh, censer that he would bring in. This was the only light. And there, there was a constant dark uh, night, and this is the atmosphere in our heart, but night in the positive form, uh, the unapproachable light. What is night for God? This is the unapproachable light, the light that is, but you can't come into it, you can't approach it, this light. <coughs> this is the atmosphere. And second, night is when a person is in a deep sleep. We're talking about physical night. Being in a deep sleep, the mind of a person is not able to receive or process any information and such a state then allows God in the entrails of a human spirit to imprint his instruction and imprint his instruction in the soul of man. And so sleep is pretty much a temporary state, of course, as we know, where a person is uh, is also able to be in spirit at the time. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream and a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering in their beds, then he opens the ear of man and seals their instruction. In order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man, he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Job 33:14-18. And so for the Lord to keep me from some kind of situation or from arrogance, the Lord will reveal uh, in sleep. He will never re- reveal, of course, for another person because I'm not responsible for another person. And so when we come up to another person and we say we have this dream or someone comes to you and said they have a dream, <clears throat> the Lord can use your, your, your sleep or your dreams. We also need to be careful because the devil also can speak through dreams. Here, Pastor just shows this example where uh, where we are in sleep physically, we're focused upon our sacred person. Because the law that's in the sacred person and the Holy of Holies is in our conscience that is cleansed from dead works. This is that law and word that we need to look at and base everything from. At the same time, the phrase, with my, in my spirit, I will seek you from early morning, means that a spirit of man grown into full measure of growth in Christ becomes a fortress of God where a person then in the realm of time or in the, in, in, 
in, in real time would be able to receive the ability to see God and worship God and know God <coughs> in His Word. And so to understand the cooperation of our sacred person, which is a fortress for God, we will look at Psalm 19.2, day unto day, un day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. And so before day unto day utters speech, <clears throat> the revelations of God, it is necessary to create an atmosphere where night unto night can reveal knowledge of this revelation. And so before day unto day utters speech, it's necessary for our night unto night reveals knowledge. Before beginning to confess the word of God, this day, something needs to happen first between the nights where we where knowledge is revealed. The spirit of a person grown into full measure of growth in Christ is built into a, a sanctuary of God. This area of the spirit, this is the sanctuary, this is the as the inner room. We have the outer, outer room, we have the inner room. And so we're talking about the inner room within the holy, of, uh, the holy place in the temple that's in our spirit. That is called night, where God desires to dwell in darkness. And from the night of this unapproachable light, he reveals to our night his knowledge and will, which is concealed. This area of the spirit is called night, where God, desiring to abide in darkness from the night of this unapproachable light, reveals to our night knowledge of his will, where our calling is concealed and the ability to fulfill it. In other words, this is the area of night. Again, he reveals knowledge of our calling and how to fulfill our calling. <clears throat> And so this night is the Holy of Holies, where the tablets of the covenant are when absol in absolute darkness. And as we know, uh, there was a vessel with manna. They also put it in the ark, which was in darkness. And so if in your heart you have this darkness, your heart is a sanctuary of God, your spirit, so that the Lord can approach us and we Him. We need to have this Holy of Holies, the place where we put the commandments of God, the undamaged Word of God. And then the Word of God is on this table of showbreads, and then this Word transforms into this censer, and then from the censer upon the altar of incense, and then we begin to proclaim the word of God from the Holy of Holies, from the Ark of the Covenant. They end, it ends up on the table of showbreads, from the table of showbreads to the censer, from the censer upon the altar of incense. And we then can begin to confess. This is the area of the spirit. The next area of our spirit is called day. What is day? This is the sanctuary. And so the temple, there was the Holy of Holies, and then there was the outer. <clears throat> and so there was the actual sanctuary, and there was the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies, where the only the high priest would come in once a year, 
and then there was the actual sanctuary where there was the table of showbread, the lamp, uh, the altar of incense, and here all the work was happening. This is then the symbol of the day. It has the lamp. I began to understand the truth. There in the Holy of Holies is darkness. I know in the Ark there's something, something misunderstood, something that is mysterious. And so it needs to end up then in the form of the 12 showbreads upon the table of showbreads and then transform into my lamp in my mind and then we begin confessing it with the censer. The next area of our spirit is that is called day where on the south side we see this golden lamp with the seven branches that comes from its from from its stem and sanctifies the breads that are at the table of showbread that are on the table of showbreads and so all of this was again in the same room the show table of showbreads the lamp and the altar of incense and the holy of holies was the ark and a person only entered that room once a year there was the unapproachable light the unapproachable unapproachable light is light a person can't understand and now our purpose the revelation we need to take it from the unapproachable light confess it although this area of the spirit has a light from the golden lamp it is called day the light of this day is still in the realm of the spirit our renewed mind although we renewed our soul with the spirit of our mind it is what passes on information and revelation that is received from the darkness to our mind which is renewed by the spirit of our mind our, our physical self such holy cooperation can happen uh, in those people the category of saints that have been grown into full measure of growth in Christ and what does it mean to be grown in full measure of growth in Christ this is to build yourself into a house of prayer build yourself into a sanctuary a tabernacle or this category fellowship with God in such cooperation and such order this is the most beloved food without which they can't imagine their existence we have our dark, our night and we have our day. Night to night passes on knowledge and and passes on understanding and day to day passes on knowledge. And so this becomes the beloved food. We talked about how the revelation that's in the night to move it over to the state of day. And so that's the revelation that is in God in the Holy of Holies where there's absolute darkness the unapproachable light it is in the ark if this revelation ends up upon the table of showbreads then we'll have nothing to pray and it's too it needs to end up on this table of showbreads but then it also needs to be understood explain your proverbs or parables First, you need to show the disciples that in their ark, there's a revelation. And so they told Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. We don't understand it, but we know that you are from God. You have the words of eternal life. You have the Holy of Holies. Now, they, in his presence, asked. 
when he was explaining to them the the teaching, it was the table, uh, the breads upon the table of showbread. They said, "Explain this parable," and they explained. And he, they asked him, "Why are you explaining these parables to us in secret and not to the public?" Because, and he said, "Because it is God has allowed you to know, but not to them." And so, what's in the ark, and it's end up upon the table of showbreads, these twelve breads, and then and it's end up in the burning lamp and then from the burning lamp and then the final stage of course is is the censor where we already confess these words and so when a person has this this is his beloved uh, food favorite food and the word desired in Hebrew he said with my soul I desired uh, for you by night And so, desire is using all energy and all means and paying the price of your entire life so that you can receive it. The word desired, in this case, thirsted, yearned with desire for, searched, waited with patience and trembling, stood guard and watched to receive understanding or knowledge, found this work to be wonderful, placed himself upon the altar of the Lord, did not see the purpose of life out of God and apart from God. There's no purpose, again, of life without God and apart from God. There's only purpose in God. Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand my watch watch and set myself on my rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. What he will say to me when he use the night and what I will answer when I am corrected. This is where you use day. And we talked about how the word of God transforms from the state of the Holy of Holies, area of the Holy of Holies, to the actual main hall of the sanctuary. If a person does not have the state where his knight would be able to strive with the soul for God and with his spirit to seek the revelations of God in the inner in him in his in himself, then this person cannot be a fortress of God and God cannot be a fortress for this person. Fourth, in result of Christ living in us, by examining and searching ourselves, we will discover Christ in ourselves. Second Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless... Indeed, you are disqualified. And so to examine yourself and to test yourself, to examine and to test yourself is to be done in two steps. First, to examine and test yourself, whether we are in the faith where Christ may be able to live, is to be examined by the state of our conscience cleansed from dead works by absolute sanctification, where there's a code of the law of grace in the truth, the truth, the elementary teaching of Christ in the heart and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth also in the heart. This is how I can examine whether, uh, examine uh, whether I am in the faith, in the, looking at the state of my conscience, is my conscience cleansed from dead works and is the truth imprinted upon my conscience? the truth of Jesus Christ. 
Psalm 51, 7 through 10. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit, a steadfast spirit within me. Without such a desire and plea for God, plea, uh, plea for uh, to God, <clears throat> then uh, without such a plea, uh, such a prayer, such a cry to God, uh, cleansing our conscience from dead works, our sanctification will then just be will be false or will be a counterfeit form of sanctification. We also need to examine and test ourselves according to the uh, dedication that we have or the dedication that we, whether we are completely or have absolute sanctification and dedication to God so that we can be transformed into the image of Him. Why do we test ourselves whether our conscience is cleansed from dead works and if the truth of the Word of God is written there? I need to also based on this truth that is imprinted upon my conscience, I need to examine myself as to whether I have absolutely dedicated and sanctified myself so that we can achieve our calling to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. Second Corinthians 5, 4, 5, For we are who are in this tent grown, being burdened not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. 2 Corinthians 5, 4, 5. If our conscience, by being instructed in the faith, is not cleansed from dead works by absolute sanctification, where we, with the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, have denied our nation, the house of our Father, and destructive desires of our soul. <clears throat> and we, because of the instruction that we receive, have imprinted, have not imprinted the, the elementary teaching of Christ upon our tablets, then the Christ cannot live within our heart, and our heart then cannot be a fortress for God, and God cannot be our fortress. <clears throat> We continue to talk about how we can be his fortress. The Lord says, you need to examine yourself. And you say, how do I examine myself? Examine yourself according to scripture. Is your conscience cleansed, cleansed from dead works? Does the truth Is the truth of God imprinted there? and your absolute dedication, absolute sanctification. Fifth, in result of Christ living in us, we will discover in ourselves the mystery of the richness of the glory of God, and we will trust upon this glory. Colossians 1, 26 through 28, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his, to his saints, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom <clears throat> that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. 
And so again, we see here Christ in us. Christ in you as the hope of glory. If we don't have hope, we don't have Christ. If we don't have Christ, we don't have a fortress. If when you, you can't then say that, Lord, you are my fortress. And so speaking and uh, proclaiming that it's not confirmed or verified with by faith in the form of the teaching of Christ, abiding within your heart is the most unfortunate and the most destructive of things to do. You need to receive Christ and the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life. And so to receive Christ into your heart is to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord and Master of your life. And to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life is to receive the faith of God into your heart in the form of His commandments and His instructions. And we can do this in no other way but fulfilling specific conditions, listening to the preached word of the kingdom of heaven spoken by an apostle, looking at the revelations received by Apostle Paul, the hope of glory is is upon based upon Christ who lives within us. And so the hope of our our hope needs to be founded upon Christ who lives within us. We are determining whether Christ lives in us and our hope is is it upon our, our relatives, our, our denomination, our friends, or is it upon Christ? If it's upon them, then we are not a fortress for God, and God is not our fortress. For God to be our fortress and we be his fortress, what do you hope upon? What do you trust upon? What do you what do you base everything upon? Upon it's supposed to be Jesus Christ. We conclude that Christ is called to live within us. He is the richness of of glory and he is the hope of our trust and so hope is the treasury of the heavenly father containing the bond of all of the oath promises of God again this is the treasury of the heavenly father hope that is contained or contains the bond of all of the oath promises of God that are placed by Jesus Christ, into Jesus Christ and are elevated by the Heavenly Father. As our calling. And so the heart of every person that as that allows it, uh, understanding and and understanding into into his heart and wisdom into his heart becomes then a fortress for God. And the heart of every person that allows his heart to receive this education, to receive this understanding, becomes then a treasury that contains all of the all of the prom, uh, oath promises of God in the form of hope. And so, hope that contains all of the oath promises of God is called to be formed, or is it called to form our our trust. All of the both promises of God, which this hope contains again, is called to form our trust in God. We determine whether we have hope upon God. The hope of God, uh, we have this hope of God, this is the treasury of God 
if we have it, uh, that means we have trust upon God. And having this trust in God means we have hope upon God, hope upon the promises that are in your spirit, <clears throat> the promises of God that are in your spirit. And so the promises that we receive, the promises that belong to the door of our hope, why did Christ give us all these things? He gave it to us through the Holy Spirit because He wants to live inside of us. You can't just say, Lord, come into my heart. But that's not how things happen. It's not like the devil who will get into a person and the person begins to behave differently. You the Lord com coming into our heart is the Word of God needs to find its way place in your heart and this hope needs to be there and He will examine it by the trust that you have upon His Word and when you trust upon the the hope, the treasury of, uh, of hope the devil works differently where he possesses a person, he comes into a person, he possesses a person the Holy Spirit is not forceful like this he has given the word and he says, I want my word to control the situation and be in you. If in our heart, we do not have these things, then we just have an illusion of Christ. And then our heart will not be able to be a fortress for God and the Lord cannot be our fortress. You see, step by step, step by step, we see all these things. And so you may say, Lord, you are my fortress, but the Lord will ask, are you my fortress? Do you have the treasury of hope in the form of the truth, the teaching? Yes, I have to examine this. How? By your trust upon the word that I've given to you. Sixth, in result of Christ living in us, we will discover ourselves raised up on high before God, which upon practice means we will hear within our heart the voice of the Holy Spirit and will interpret it with our tongue in specific promises placed upon our account in Jesus Christ, just as David did. Second Samuel 23, 1-2. <clears throat> now these are the last words of, of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. Second Samuel 23, 1-2. So the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. And it's, it's, it says that thus says the man raised up on high. And the phrase raised up on high means standing before the God of all the earth and presenting the interests of God upon all of the earth. We can be raised up on high because you can't be in Christ and Christ in us without being as David, as the son of Jesse, to, to be raised up on high, to stand high, to present the interests of God, to present his interests. These are people that are placed, raised very high. Raised up on high, what semantics, what meanings does it have? Raising, raised, being raised up on high 
is appointed by God, raised by God from the ruins, placed before God, standing before God, ordained by God, established by God, fortified by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, representing the will of God. This is one who is raised up on high. We will then be as the son of Jesse, as David, one who was this man who was placed very high. According to the given definitions, to be placed or raised upon high means to present the intre- present the will of God for your body in a in in the form of adopting your body by the redemption of Christ, which will give us the ability to be a light to the world and to represent the will of God on all the earth. When God speaks with man, a man who is a fortress for him, this person then is prepared to then communicate and be delivered in God. In communication in this fellowship, a person then is clothed in a special form of authority, a special uh, a, a, a special type of authority of God, and it is written in Scripture in Job 38, 1-3, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens, ca- darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man, I will question you, and you shall answer me. And so what is a man, or the virtue of man in this situation? What does it mean to have this virtue of a man? It's to possess the power to confess the faith of heart, uh, the faith of God abiding in your heart with a pure mouth. And so a man of God is a person possessing the power to confess the faith of God abiding in the heart with a clean mouth. And so sometimes, of course, uh, some effort and work needs to take place for this to happen. Just like the Apostle had said, if you remember, that my when God had asked accessed his tongue, he realized that his tongue was not clean. And he said, I am a man of an unclean tongue. And he became afraid. afraid. If you remember, he took tongs and he had taken a coal from the fire and he and he touched, he accessed his mouth, and when he accessed his mouth, he realized his mouth was unclean, and he became afraid. But he cleansed him in this way, and then he was able to speak with him, and he was, and the, uh, the apostle then was able to pro- begin prophesying. And so this is a privilege, and it belongs to all the saints, regardless of their social status or their gender. Galatians 3.26-29 For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And so again, we repeat this, this statement where it says that you, this is a privilege to be able to uh, possess the power and the ability to confess the faith of God abiding within your heart with a pure mouth 
This is a privilege, and it belongs to all the saints, regardless of their social status or their gender. Galatians 3.26-29 For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. And so when you are raised upon high, you are then all sons of God. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3.26-29 If a person is not able to differentiate the voice of the Holy Spirit from his own spirit or the spirit of deception, then this person will not be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in his heart, because the Holy Spirit cannot abide in such a heart. And so such a person can then hear in his heart either his own voice, the voice of his spirit, the voice of deception, which he will uh, perceive to be the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so a man of God is determined by, as our pastor Akadi says, to different, he has the ability to differentiate the voice of the Holy Spirit from his own, vo- own spirit and the voices of deception. And <clears throat> never ever consider the voice that's your own voice or the voice of your spirit or the deceptive uh, voices of deception as the Holy Spirit. And so, proclaiming and uh, stating the things that you have learned, proclaiming these things, being a son of God, we receiving the Holy Spirit into our heart as the Lord and Master of our life, we will be clothed into Jesus Christ to hear within your spirit the voice of the Holy Spirit and to interpret it with our tongue, it is necessary to be called and be a son of God so that you can stand before God as a man. Ezekiel 128 and 2, 1-2 This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he, he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who speaks, who spoke to me. And so it says that the Spirit entered me. This is the character of Christ. This is the man who is raised up on high. When he is in us, he will be able to raise us before God as Jesse, the son of Jesse, David, was raised up on high, he will raise up uh, us up on high. Then the Spirit entered me, the character of Christ, and spoke to me and set me on my feet. And the pastor concludes, if we have not been grown into full measure of growth in Christ so that we can stand before God as a man, so we can hear in our heart the voice of the Holy Spirit and confess this revelation with our tongue, then this means that our heart is not able to be a fortress for God. And as a result, God will not have the ability to become our fortress either. Let us pray. Thank you for the word that we we heard. Let us be blessed in our prayers. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege 
of being upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshipping of your name. We thank you, Lord, that today we were able to magnify your word and to take this word to weigh ourselves with your words to cleanse ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit so that we can approach you and that every area of ourselves would be able to be in an atmosphere where you can speak with us and reveal your words. Be the atmosphere also, Lord, where we can receive your oath promises, your seed, and produce fruit that glorifies your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you are our fortress. And today, you want to find your fortress in our heart. And we thank you, Lord, that today we want to and we create such an atmosphere within our heart, in our essence, so that our body would be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so for this, we acknowledge your order, your godly order that's in the body. We thank you, Lord, for the person whom you have sent into our life, for the person whom you have made this silver trumpet that is uh, of hammered work. You have passed on to us revelations. You passed them on to us that you have given him so that we so that we would be grown into full measure of growth in Christ. So that word so that this word would be able to find its place in our heart that we can then trust upon. We thank you for the revelations we have received. We thank you for our pastor, our apostle, Brother Arkadi, and we pray for your mercy that it would be favorable to him so that we would be able to all as one be mutually comforted. Thank you for the revelation that we once heard and that had laid in the night that was in the Holy of Holies. But your mighty Holy Spirit has allowed that this word would be able to lay upon the table of showbreads and began revealing itself in the oil, in the lamp, in the revelation, in the mysteries that were were in your night, in the unapproachable light. We thank you for your light, for your unapproachable light where there's absolute darkness for our soul. We thank you and we pray that all the revelations that are in our heart today, that they would find their place, not just in our ark, but we would be able to confess these words. We would be able to be fertilized with these seeds. We pray that the word today would be that's in your teaching, that it be upon this table of showbreads, that this word would be able to renew our mind with the spirit of our mind. And that, Lord, that revelation and that knowledge that passes night to the night passes on to night so we can confess these revelations then day unto day we can confess it we can receive it and then we can confess it we thank you Lord that today in Jesus Christ you have raised up on high uh, raised us up on high thank you for your oath promises that you have blessed us with a blessing 
of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills. We thank you that we discover Jesus Christ in our heart today when we discover your oath promises, your word, your truth, and your commandments that we could trust upon. Our denomination is not our trust. Our religious experience, our victories, our earnings, our high price that we pay is not our trust. Our trust is Jesus Christ, who today is the treasury of hope. He is our trust. We trust upon your word. We wait for the fulfillment of your word. And we thank you for those promises that you have revealed at the door of our hope. Our hope. The appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come to be glorified in his saints, so that with his saints and through his saints, he can judge those who, who are lawless and wicked in the church to judge the hard-hearted Israel and to proclaim a verdict over this world that has submerged itself into lawlessness and has and lacks more morality. They're coming to their end. And we thank you, Lord, for this last times, the last times that allow us to lift up our heads and rejoice, lift up our eyes and rejoice. We pray, Lord, that the accuser, we thank you that the accuser of our brothers, that he be thrusted out, that he no longer have a place within our mind, within our thoughts. We pray, Lord, that he be thrown out before your face and that a way would be prepared so that this harvest would become ready for the royal gathering so that your resurrection would be in the body of your saints. We pray, Lord, that the enemy in the, in the form of the old man can't do anything in our, with our body, although in the form of the old man he's in great anger because he knows that there's very little time left for him and he can't do anything. Because, Lord, we have become a fortress for your word for Christ and you have become a fortress for us. We thank you, Lord, for the word that we have remembered today, the word that has become the possession of our, our night and our day, our confessions, and we wait for the revelations that we will hear from our pastor who today with, his, with your Holy Spirit serves you and so that he can tell us these things and they be put into our heart. We are ready for these revelations. We are ready for the truth and we thank you, Lord, for that bread that you allow us to have today. You today have given to us this bread and you will give it to us for tomorrow as well because we will be waiting for your revelations spoken by your messengers whom you have sent into our lives. We thank you, our great God, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.